Luke chapter 2 tells us this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then it ends this way, that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. In this one night, this one act, as the baby Jesus entered the world, as he opens his eyes and breathes his first breath, it was the fulfillment of the promise of God made over and over and over again to the people of God. The reality that had been foreshadowed over and over and over again, recorded over and over and over again on the pages of the Old Testament scripture. It was the fulfillment of the promise to Eve that one of her descendants would crush the serpent's head and undo the curse of sin. It was the reality of a true and better Noah saving the world from the judgment of God against sin. It was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that through his descendant, all the people of earth would be blessed. It was the reality of a true and better Abraham, a father willing to sacrifice his only son, it was the reality of a true and better Moses who walked with God and delivers God's people out of slavery and into freedom. It was the reality of a true and better Joshua leading God's people to victoriously live in and receive the promises of God. It was the fulfillment of a promise to King David that God would bring salvation from his family line. It was the reality of a true and better David. It was the reality of a true and better Solomon, a king full of incorruptible wisdom. It was the reality of a true and better Elijah revealing the power of the true God God on a mountaintop outside of Jerusalem. It was the reality of a true and better Elijah and Elisha raising the dead to life. It was the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies of Isaiah and the prophets of a savior to come. And it was the reality of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God had come to rescue from the enemy's traps and the enemy's flames. And here's the bottom line. Here's the big headline as we begin the sermon today, as we begin the message today, here's the first headline. Everything that was promised and everything that was hoped for came to life as Jesus began his life. Everything that was promised and everything that was hoped for, 
it came to life as Jesus began his life, as he opened his eyes, as he breathed his life, the hope was fulfilled. The promises were fulfilled. The promise that one day a Savior would come was fulfilled because the Savior has come. The hope that one day a better day, a true and better David would, would come, a true and better Moses, a true and better Abraham, that what was foreshadowed, a true and better Noah, a true and better everything from the oldest day, like that this was just a shadow. This was a glimpse of what God was about to do. The hope was fulfilled by Jesus entering the world. And at Christmas, we celebrate the faithfulness of God and the fulfillment of everything God promised, prophesied, and revealed that would one day become the reality of our world, that it became the reality. And we celebrate the fulfilled prophecies, and we celebrate the fulfilled promises, and we celebrate the revelation actually coming to life because it came to life. And the promise was fulfilled, and the prophecy was fulfilled. When Jesus breathed his first breath, everything came to life. And we celebrate all of that and know all of that to be true because on that first Christmas night, God became God with us. God became God with us. There's this incredible prophecy. We looked at a prophecy from Isaiah last week, but, uh, but, but today I want to look at another messianic prophecy from Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, Here's what Isaiah wrote. He said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. Does that sound familiar to anyone around Christmas? I mean, yeah. The, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Hmm, a son. I wonder who that could be. And they will call him Emmanuel. Now, it's not explained in Isaiah's prophecy because everyone reading would have known exactly what Emmanuel would have meant. Later in Matthew's gospel, as, we, as, we, as Devin read a few minutes ago and as we'll reread in a second, the name Emmanuel, it literally translates to God with us. God is with us. And the idea of God being with us when Isaiah prophesied it 650 years before the birth of Jesus, it could be taken one of two ways. It could be either taken as God will come close to us or God will become one of us. And there's a big difference in those two. I mean, both would be great, but there's a big difference in what those two things mean. Either God will come close to us, that God will stay God and God will come close to us, or God will actually while remaining God, somehow will also become one of us. See, the idea that God would come close to us, that's something pretty amazing. That God, that God would be God and, and come close and, and see what we're going through and, and, and have an eyewitness account and, 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 and know everything and, 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 and be aware. That, that's something. That his, that his presence would be with us while we're experiencing life. That's something. But the idea that God would come close to us by becoming one of us is something on a whole different level. And here's why I think this is so important to us to, to understand when it comes to the idea of Christmas. Close to us is a cheerleader. Close to us is a cheerleader. One of us is a companion. Close to us is a cheerleader. They're, they're in proximity to our struggle, but not acquainted with them personally, cheering us on while not knowing our experience. If you've ever been a football player or a basketball player and there were cheerleaders, you know what it's like that you were on the court and they were aware of, they saw, they were aware, they were somehow in, you know, into it, but, but they weren't fighting the fight. They weren't playing the game. They weren't experiencing the experience. Close to us 
is a cheerleader. And if God was only going to come close to us, God would be a heck of a cheerleader, but would still be a cheerleader. One of us is a companion, not only in proximity to our struggle, but experiencing our trouble, not standing on the sidelines of our fight, but standing in the fight, linking arms with us as we fight. See, it actually matters a great deal which one the Savior would be. Would it be close to us or would he be one of us? Would the Savior that God would send into the world, would he be close to us or would he actually be one of us? And the story of Christmas would reveal just how close God was willing to come to save us. In Matthew chapter 1, as we already read, it says this, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. This is what is conceived. The, the human child in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is conceived by the Holy Spirit, conceived by the triune God, conceived by the Trinity of God, the whole God, the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is God taking on flesh. Verse 22 says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here's the beauty of Christmas. Jesus was not just God come close to us, as great as that would be. Jesus was more than God come close. Jesus was God come as one of us, as one of us. And this is the way I hope you hear this and remember this. What I hope you celebrate this Christmas season is simply this, that God didn't just come close to us. God became one of us. At Christmas, with the arrival of Jesus, with the fulfillment of all the promises, with the fulfillment of all the prophecies, with the fulfillment of all that had been revealed and all that had been foreshadowed, God did not just come close to us. God became one of us. In theological terms, this is what's known as the incarnation as the incarnation, that God took on a human form, a human body, that God was in a bod, that Jesus was God in a bod, as a baby, as a five-year-old, as a 10-year-old, as a four-year-old and a six-year-old, as a 12-year-old going through adolescence, going through his 20s, that Jesus was God in a bod. And as God in a bod, he experienced everything that we experience in life, that God became one of us and lived as we live and experienced everything that we experienced, that he experienced our joy, he experienced our sorrow, he experienced the beauty of relationships, and he experienced the difficulty of loss. He experienced the awkwardness of adolescence. He experienced the frustration of facing temptation. He experienced sore muscles after a day of carpentry. He experienced friendships. He experienced rejection and betrayal. He experienced what it was like to have your hopes high. He experienced what it was like to have your hopes dashed. He experienced what it was like to have family, and he experienced the difficulty of family. He experienced what it was like to have some of his best friends in the whole world be close to him and, and put their faith in him, and he experienced what it was like to have some of his best friends in the world turn their backs on him. Jesus, as God, God become man 
experienced everything we experienced. Jesus experienced hunger. He experienced being satisfied by food. He experienced prayer in connection with God in a human body. He experienced everything that we experienced. Jesus was a, was hung out with fishermen. Jesus experienced what it was like to be seasick. I mean, like to be motion sickness. Like, like Jesus experienced all of that. He experienced everything that we experienced because he was not just a cheerleader. He's a companion who has stood where we stand, who has walked in our shoes or walked in our sandals, who has walked in our footsteps, who has walked where we walked, experienced what we've experienced, and knows what it is like to be us. Because at Christmas, God did more than just come close to us. He became one of us. And there's, and there's two parts of that story that God became man. God became man. God became one of us. There's two things there that, that really are beautiful ideas surrounding the Christmas story that are so powerful. And one of them is in light of what we've been talking about the last few weeks in our sermon series, uh, Christmas morning, talk about the idea of personal gifts and personalized gifts. And the first thing that we need to understand is that God became one of us that God gave the most personal gift that anyone could give. He gave us the gift of himself. That God sent his son, who is also God, to come and live as one of us. God gave us the gift of God. God gave the most personal gift that anyone could give. The perfect, our perfect God entered the imperfection of humanity. Perfect creator God entered the imperfection of, of, a, of a broken world of his, of, the, of his creation that had been broken by sin. That perfect God entered our story. That perfect God knew in order to save us, he had to come close to us. In order to save us, he had to experience and overcome what we have, what we have fallen to. That perfect God entered our story. He gave us the gift of himself. God gave us the gift of God. God sent, him, God sent his son into the world. God sent God the son into the world as the gift that would save the world. And that begs the question, like that big idea, God became one of us. God became one of us, it begs the question, why would God do all that? Why would God the Son became, become something that he was not? Why would God become one of us? He did it, first of all, because he loves us and he's a gracious God and a good father. He gave because that's what God does. He generously gives because he's a God who is generous. He's a father in heaven who is generous. He does not withhold from his children, but he gives generously. That's the first reason that God gave. But the question has another layer. What was the purpose behind what God did? What was the purpose behind this gift of himself? What was the purpose of God sending God into the world to become one of us? What could only be accomplished by God becoming one of us? And the answer is simple, it's beautiful, it's incredibly profound, but this is what I hope you'll understand this Christmas, is that Jesus became something he was not, so we could become something we are not. That, that Jesus became something he was not. That God became one of us, something that he was not by nature. He's God. He transformed and became a man, became a human being, became one of us, so that every single one of us 
could become something that we were not. He became a man so we could be made righteous. He became a man so we could be made holy. He became a man so we could be made new. He became a man so we could be made blameless. He became a man so we could be made whole. He became a man so we could be healed. That this is one of those, those things that we call the great exchange. That he became something that he was not so we could become something that we were not. That we could become, even though we were not blameless, we could become blameless. Even though we were not righteous and in right standing with God, we could become, through Jesus, we could become righteous and in right standing with God. Even though we were not holy, we could become holy. Even though we had suffered so much in the old, we could be made new. Even though we had been broken and fractured into a million pieces, we could be made made whole. And even though we had been broken by sin, we could be healed by his blood. But one more thing specifically, as Jesus became something he was not, so we could become something we were not. There's one more thing that's mentioned throughout the New Testament that we become because Jesus became one of us. In 1 John chapter 3, John, who called himself the disciple that Jesus loved, he wrote this about what God did for us through his Savior, Jesus. He said, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He says, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And dear friends, now we are children of God. And what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And here's the bottom line. Here's the ending point of this Christmas Eve. Is that the son became human. So humans could become sons and daughters of God. The son became human. So humans could become children of God. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of the incarnation. That's the message of God becoming one of us. That God became something that he was not so that we could become something that we were not. And the thing that we were not because of our sin and because of our brokenness and because of our choices that moved us away from God, because of our unrighteousness, because of our unholiness, because of our sin, because of our choices, because of everything that is, is true about us as humans. God became something that he was not so that humans could become children of God once again. Something that we were not because of our choices, that we were not because of our unrighteousness, that we were not because of our sin, that we were not because of our unholiness, that we were not because of our brokenness, that we were not because of our fractured and lacking integrity lives, that, that what we were not, we could become once again. Because God became something he was not. So that human beings could become children of God once again. God gave the gift of Jesus so we could be brought into intimate relationship with him. Not just be friends, but could be family. That's the story of Christmas. That's the beauty of Christmas Eve and the beauty of Christmas morning. That you can know God and call him your heavenly father because he sent his son into the world as one of us for all of us. And today, you may be watching, and you're a person who God loves. No matter what your life has looked like, you are a person that God loves. And you are a person that God sent Jesus into the world for.
and, and, and you may have wandered and you may have drifted and you may have intentionally chosen and you may have sinned your way into a place where you think there's nothing that, there's no saving you. You think you've gone too far. You think you've done too much. You think you've drifted too far. You think there's, you're too, 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 too. And I want to let you know, for you, right now, on this Christmas Eve, or whenever it is that you might be watching this, for you, God sent his son into the world to become one of us so that we could become children of God, so that you could become a son or a daughter of God once again. And if you would like to do that, I think there's no better time than right here, right now, in front of your screen, in front of your phone, in front of your TV, whatever it is that you might be watching on. I think there's no better time and no better place than right here, right, that right where you are, and right now, to make a decision to return to being a son or a daughter of your heavenly Father. And it happens by placing your trust in Jesus, not just that he was born on Christmas, but that he lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross to pay the price for your sins, that his death paid the price for your sins. And out of the grave, he rose from the dead three days later, bringing new life. So he paid for your sins so that you could be brought back to, relation, back to right standing with your heavenly father. And then out of the grave, he rose with resurrection life so that you could not just be square with God, but that you could have new life with God. And today, as we close in prayer on this Christmas and we move into a time where we're going to sing some songs of Christmas, I think there's no better choice that you can, that you can make right now than to accept your heavenly Father and the gift of Christmas and the gift of the cross and the gift of the empty tomb that brings you into right standing with God and makes you family of God and gives you new life that only comes from God. So if that's you, I would love for you as we pray right now to begin to talk to your heavenly Father. Let him know that you need salvation from your sins, that you need a new chance with him, a new fresh start with him, and that you're trusting in Jesus to be the fresh start, to be the payment for your sin, and to be the way that you accept and walk in the new life that God has given to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that you are everything that we need and more. Thank you for the incredibly personal gift of Jesus at Christmas. God, thank you that you know our needs, you know our desires, you know our time, you know our place in our relationship, and that God, out of that, you gave the incredibly personal gift of Jesus, the gift of God come as one of us, that you entered our story, that you came close, that you experienced everything that we experienced, that we don't have to wonder and worry about whether you know what it's like to walk in our shoes. You did it. Thank you that you came close and you entered our story, and you entered our, your creation, and you entered our humanity, and you lived as one of us. Thank you for the gift that you became one of us. And God, thank you even more for the gift that you became one of us so we could become a son or daughter of God, that we could become a child of God once again, that we could be returned to perfect relationship with you by trusting in the relationship that Jesus has with you and that he enabled us to experience. So God, I pray today that every single person watching Every person watching this morning, every person watching tonight, every person watching whenever we're catching up throughout the week, that we would place our trust in you. If we've already done that, that we would have a renewed sense of faith and trust and awe of what you've done and who you are to us. And God, if we've never done that before, I pray that we would do that right now for the first time in our lives and receive from you everything that you have that flows 
from Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. And more than anything, God, we thank you for Jesus, the one who became a man so that men and women could become children of God. We love you and thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen.